All right, so before we get to the time of uh, testimonies, and there's a couple of people specifically I've asked, and then I'll, uh, I'm, I'm dangering the, uh, the open mic. So we'll see what happens after that. But uh, the first time that I ever spoke in front of people and shared what God had done in my life, it was because I was forced to. I wasn't given a, an opportunity, but I, I had come to the place where I had had uh, a point of relationship with Jesus that I wanted to follow him in obedience through the uh, sacrament of baptism. And typically at our church in Edmonton, the way that it would do it is it would be quite comfortable. You'd show up in an evening and you'd get to talk to somebody, one of the pastors, and then they'd have someone there that would record with a video camera your testimony. And of course, they'd be willing to edit things out and they would make it so this really succinct, well-sounding video of your testimony, of your story of what God had done in your life. While you, why you were being baptized and, and what you believed about Jesus. And then the only thing that you had to do live was answer a few questions with yes. It's pretty easy to say yes in front of people. But when I signed up to be baptized, I didn't plan it out strategically enough, apparently. Because I did it at something that we used to in Cent at Central Baptist Church in Edmonton. It was called Rever Up Sunday. It was the fall kickoff. There was pancake breakfast and an outdoor service. And this one had a baptismal tank outside. And this is Edmonton. And it's fall in Edmonton. Sometimes it's warmish. Sometimes it's not so much. And this was one of those not so much times. But because no one wanted to bring a TV and all of the uh, equipment needed for that outside, we had to do our testimonies live. So I sat on the back of a flat deck uh, trailer, just kind of like what we had this year at our fall kickoff. And I stood up there shaking with a piece of paper, telling my testimony of why I was being baptized that day. And I don't think I looked up more than once or twice in the whole time of reading. But I did it because I was being obedient to what God had called me to do. And for me, it was more important to be baptized and to share my faith, if that's what I was commanded to do, than to do it in the way I wanted to. I could have waited and postponed it, but I wanted to live obediently to what God had called me to do. And sometimes we don't get to pick and choose the scenarios that we are placed in by God to, to have an opportunity to share our stories of what God is doing in our lives. Sometimes we'll go unexpectedly on a Sunday morning service and the pastor will stand up and say, this is your opportunity to give God praise and to share with other people what God has done in your life, as we will do shortly. Or there's other times where maybe we'll just be in the street or in the shopping mall and God will prompt us with his Holy Spirit to share something with somebody that maybe would be outside of our comfort zone. But what usually seems to hold us back, even when we have those promptings, and even if we feel like we should, is one word, and it's fear. That's right, Derek, you beat me to it. We fear. We fear of maybe making a fool of ourselves. Maybe we think, I, well, I won't have the right words. I don't know what to say. Or the very Canadian fear is that we've, we're worried about offending somebody. We're worried that maybe we'll push them farther away from Jesus if we say the wrong things. Or maybe we think we don't know the Bible enough. Maybe we don't think we're faithful or holy enough. But whatever, whatever excuse we have, we're worried. We're fearful. We're fearful maybe that our relationship with that person that's budding, that's forming with that family member, maybe we'll become ostracized. Maybe they'll push us away. Maybe they'll, they'll think we're a Jesus freak. Whatever it is, it's usually fear that stops us. And this isn't new to the 21st century. It's not just 21st century Canada that people had fear about sharing their faith. The early church actually struggled with this too. 
And in his first letter uh, to the church, the Apostle Peter, the original The Rock, challenged people not to fear, but to share their hope with the world. In 1 Peter 13 to 16, out of the NIV, that's 1 Peter 3, 13 to 16, it says this. Who is going to harm you if you do good? If you are eager to do good, rather. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. And the best punchline, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that who, those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now that's a big chunk of scripture with, with lots of different important things in it. But Peter starts this section off with a very reasonable question. Who will harm you if you seek to do good? If you're trying to do the good of somebody else, who would harm you? Now, he's not suggesting that Christians have an easy or hardship-free life. Because if we wanted to have testimony about the hardness in our life, we could be here all week. Because even if we're a Christian, anymore if we're dedicated to God, we still have hardships. We still have struggles that we go through. But what he is suggesting is that by and large, when you are trying to do good, when you are trying to help other people, why would somebody hurt you? Why would somebody attack you for that? But we will say that there are actually people in the world, and we've all heard of them, there are people in the world that will actually attack Christians and hate Christians and slander Christians just because they're Christians. But he's saying overall that's not the case. That's a very small minority. Overall, people won't harm you for doing good. If you're one of the people that signed up for doing the, uh, the Salvation Arm ringing the bell at Christmas, you're not going to have people coming up to you and going, you're such a jerk, why are you doing this? No, people will come up to you and say, yeah, that's good, I'm glad you're doing this, you're giving up of your time. People can recognize that that's a good thing that you're doing. But Peter is saying that even though most people like people who are nice, who are kind, who are loving, who are compassionate, who are patient, who are gentle people, as Christians are called and equipped to be. There are still some who will threaten you. But he challenges people not to fear those threats. Don't fear what other people would do to you. He gives us something to better focus our fear on. And that's reverence for Jesus Christ as Lord. He says, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. That's the upside-down kingdom of God. He says, do not fear their threats. Don't be afraid of what they may do to you. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Because even if you are persecuted for sharing your faith, even if it causes tension in your relationships, if you have done it in a loving, kind, and gentle way, then you've done all that Jesus has asked you to do. You're only responsible for your end of the bargain. And it may get you fired from your job. It may get somebody upset at you. But don't fear what other people can do to you. And so reverence that it's talking about means to give honor and respect. It's like when you walk into a beautiful cathedral or structure that is gorgeous and ancient at the same time. 
in the uh, Middle Ages, they would build these amazing cathedrals. Most people uh, were illiterate at the time, except for the very elite of people. And so for most general people, the way that they would learn about God, besides on Sunday mornings, uh, was through just being in a cathedral. There'd be beautiful pictures and structures and images about God and about the stories of God. And just walking into some of these old cathedrals in Europe, I could only imagine the awe and reverence that would come over people. But uh, besides a cathedral, I actually think about a grand library. Just uh, there's some pictures of libraries I've seen that are they're multiple stories, and they just have bookshelf after bookshelf of books all around them, and the wainscoting with the beautiful wood all around, and just you walk in, and there's just this reverence, this awe. For me, it's this this awe of knowledge and learning that God has created in humanity. And some of you may go, well, that's good for you, you book nerd, but. Uh, but what, whatever it is for you, whatever that place or that picture, or that place that just gives you reverence or awe, if that's done because you're worshiping God through that, a lot of people are nature people. It could be going up into a beautiful mountain and just seeing and having this reverence and this awe, not for the mountain itself, not worshiping the mountain, but recognizing God created this beautiful thing. That's what the reverence and awe for God is. So Peter challenges us. He said, if you're threatened, if you're challenged, don't focus on that fear. Don't focus on the threat. Focus on your reverence for Christ. And you can share as an act of worship for God. And so why should we fear man when the Bible says we, we worship a God who created the heavens, the earth? And there's a proverb that says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. This would be like the analogy of if you were locked in this little room and there's a porcupine in the room, you're probably going to be a little worried about that porcupine. It's pokey. It could hurt you. You could get infected. There's lots of dogs that have went down that route. But now imagine there's also a bull elk that's in the middle of mating season in the room. Which one of those two are you going to be afraid of? The porcupine who may sting you a little bit or the bull elk who could gore you and trample you? You're going to be afraid of the bull elk, I hope, because a little poke, you can get over that, but a bull elk in the middle of mating season is a crazy, rabid beast. That's what it's like fearing man instead of fearing God. It's like fearing a little porcupine when there's this crazy, dangerous thing in the room. In the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Jesus is epitomized and is a metaphor as a lion, this lion Aslan. There's this little girl that asked about the lion, and he said, is he safe? And one of the beaver, Mr. Beaver says, no, he's not safe, but he's, but he's good. That's what God is like. He's not, he's not safe. He's not here just to, to bundle us up and just make us feel good. But boy, is he good. And we can worship him, and we should have reverence and awe, not fear of him, because perfect love casts out all fear. But we should worship him, and we shouldn't fear what man can do to us when God holds eternity in his hands. And so there's nothing that can be done to us in this world that can do eternal damage to us. It could cause us pain. It can cause us hardship. It can cause us sorrow. It can cause us grief and sadness. But nothing can take us away from God except for our willful disobedience of him. God, God won't remove his love from us, but sometimes we can run away from God. And so the choice is up to us. There's nothing that anyone else can do to you in this world 
that could take you away from God's love, except your disobedience. So God doesn't cause hardships to come into our life. God doesn't cause bad things to happen, but he can redeem them. He can enable them to have a story that we have to share with other people. And they can actually be for our benefit to grow our faith and enable us to give this beautiful testimony of his goodness in our lives. There's a uh, quote that I got out of a, um, out of a commentary about this section, this section, and it says, When believers encounter a hostile world and are challenged concerning their faith, the temptation to respond harshly increases. Defending a position could easily be transmuted into attacking one's opponent. And that's why Peter adds at the end, with gentleness and respect. So we're told to give an answer to anyone who would ask for the hope that we have. But he, he says to give that answer with gentleness and respect. Respect means that we, we care about that other person as an equal. Just because we have a relationship with Jesus doesn't make us better than that person. We just have been received a gift that that person has yet to receive. And so we're not better than them. We just have hope that they are yet to have. And so we can share with them gently. And it says, in keeping a clear conscience, so not attacking them back, not trying to act like we're better or superior, or, uh, having our opinion in a closed fist and punching them with the truth of God. But it's about kindly, lovingly sharing with them. And so now I want to enter into a time of sharing testimonies together. Enter into a time of us sharing and encouraging and challenging one another. Maybe with some of the hard things that God has allowed us to go through where we have seen his hope in the hardships. Or maybe through, through amazing blessings that God has given us. But uh, one of the things that we believe as Protestant Christians is in a priesthood of all believers. And that means that each person has the opportunity to share and to be, uh, to be a person who stands in the gap for other people. So maybe something that God has placed on your heart today can help somebody else who is struggling this morning. Maybe you have the opportunity to give someone hope where there's hopelessness. So I'd like to, uh, I'll bring it over to the first person I asked, who I happen to be married to. But she's going to share a uh, testimony of what God's doing in her life. Good morning, everyone. Um, I, when it comes to January, I like to look back and think of what God has done in my life. And I was looking at our Christmas tree, and we have this little ornament that um, they're two little mittens, and we bought them last year as kind of a hoping for another baby. It's been a journey for us. Um, and we, I, we talked about this a few months ago, but the last three and a half years, hoping, praying, and waiting for God. But he is so faithful, no matter what. Um, last Christmas, I was in a very different place in my heart. We went to visit my family in Calgary, and I was just feeling overwhelmed and sad, and I, I knew I just needed to go and be with the Lord. So I went outside. It was really cold, but it was so good. I went for a walk. Um, I sang. I read his word. I cried to him. And on the cold day in the stillness, Jesus spoke to me, and he said, trust me, wait on me. Nothing had changed, but I felt a peace that I can't explain except to say that Jesus' presence was asking me to just rest in him. It was also a year of growing and spending more time in his word and praying to him. When I pray to him, I feel so much closer to him, and he speaks to me in different ways through his word, um, through 
just thoughts in my head of him. I'm so thankful to be um, celebrating Christmas this year with Alethea, our new baby. And God just amazes me. He's so faithful no matter what happens. He never changes. He is my rock. A verse that he's really shown me in the last few weeks is Psalm 37, 4 to 6. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And I just feel like God has truly given me the desires of my heart. He's, he's blessed me so much by giving me two beautiful daughters that I can raise. And he's also just showed me how important it is to be a mom to them. I, I was also trying to decide if I want to go back to work after having a baby. And I, I really feel like God has been showing me that I'm supposed to be a mama counselor to my girls. So that's really important to teach them about him. So I'm thankful for Jesus, for my girls, and for Adrian. Thank you. And Margaret Eichenbloom. I don't know where. I think she was upstairs. She was. She's come down. Are you going to be brave enough to come all the way to the front? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't help you. I know. Um, I just want to let everyone know that I went to my doctor because I had a lump on my arm, and he said, I don't like the look of this. So he did surgery in his office at the clinic, and they sent it away, and it was cancerous, and which is why I was on the prayer chain. And he said, you'll now have to wait and have more surgery in Kelowna. So I, I actually had a great peace about it, because I felt that God was with me, and I could feel he was loving me, and he said... You will be come through this. But I also told people in the church and shared with them, and my church family has loved me and prayed for me. And after I had my last surgery on the 5th of December, the results I got on the 19th were I am now cancer-free. So I cannot thank everybody enough for all your prayers and the love that I have experienced from everyone in my church family. Thank you so much. That's so awesome. Thank you, Margaret. All right, who else has a testimony that they'd like to share? Um, I'm going to keep this away from me a little bit. Uh, I sound a little like Adrian. Um, this has been a, a long year, and I have been so thankful for the prayers and support I've had from this church in terms of dealing with my mother. And Mom is going through a tough space now where the doctor is telling her she has to go into full care. And so that, as you can imagine, is very stressful for her, which falls downhill and is very stressful for me. <clears throat> One thing I haven't shared with too many people is I live with PTSD, and I have for two and a half years now. Um, and so when these stressful times come, it becomes really, really hard on me. And God has sustained me through it all and kept me moving. Um, and, and when I start taking on too much, he has a way of sort of knocking me down, literally, and uh, saying, lie down, rest. And a couple of weeks ago, I had a fall and gave myself a concussion. So um, God really knew how to whack me over the head and make me lie down and rest. And it's been a time where Finally, my siblings are starting to see what's going on with mom 
and I can just give praise is that she's got Christian staff around her. I'm really blessed that Lenny Spriggs is there at the Concord, and Lenny is just amazing with mom. And all the Concord staff are amazing with me. And I just ask for prayers for mom because this is a hard time for her, um, physically and emotionally, and for me, of course. But God is seeing us through this. And, and she had all of six days not in the hospital in December. And she's come through it, and God has put the stuff in place. And I'm just so thankful. And I'm thankful for the prayers. I'm thankful for the loving support that I get from the people in this church. He has lifted me up. Amen. Well, this has been quite a year for Jim and I with all the surgeries that have gone on. But praise God, he's been with us on every one. And we thank everybody for their prayers. But I need to share something else. We had a deck that was rotting and with Jim's surgeries and everything. And he says, you know what, hon, we just can't put out the money to build a deck this year. Okay, you know. Like when we bought this house and started doing repairs and uh, on it, it was like, oh boy, we've taken on something more than we thought. Because we took it down to the studs. And it seemed like every time we turned to something, we had to replace the electrical, the, the plumbing, everything that we didn't think we would have to. And it just turned out, I got that point where Jim would say, come and look at this, what they did. And I said, Jim, nothing surprises me in this house anymore. Anyway, we have got it that our main floor is all done. But the thing about our deck... God put Jim in the right place at the right time. A deck that would, if we'd bought new, would be $5,000. We ended up with a deck that's less than 1000 And that's because God had Jim in the right place. This guy says, do you know of anybody who'd like to buy a used deck? And Jim says, how much uh, and what kind? It's the good stuff, the thing that never has to be replaced so he went and looked at it he thought it was all that we needed and as he as we were laying it down uh he said oh boy honey look what's left over there in that pile he said i don't know if we're going to be short if you god made it that we had just enough but that isn't the end of it another guy says does anybody know of anybody who'd like to buy some railing we got railing for a fraction of a price. We got the whole deck, and I said to Jim, God made that available for us, otherwise it would have never happened. And I praise God every time I look at the deck, thank you, God, for this deck, because he made it possible. And my mother, when she was alive, every time I'd see her, I'd say, how are you doing, Mom? I haven't got an ache or pain. God is good. And I can say that too. God is good. He's been good to us. Amen. God cares about the big things and the small things. It's true. Hello. Everybody knows Audrey and myself. Um, the things that Audrey is traveling through, um, the things that she is 
pains with just recently, um, the fall on the beach where the crack ribs come through. Um, we have struggled with expectations in the last few years with the, the eyelet transplant. We have struggled with her diabetes. We have struggled with pain, but we have also been joyfully blessed with grandchildren. We have been joyfully blessed with a medical system that we could not do without if we were in the States. Uh, we have been blessed with um, just the joy that we can carry through from the Lord. The Lord has graciously blessed us with hope. And through everything that we have been through, our hope is in Christ Jesus. Our hope is not in what, what laws are given or what we can receive financially or how we feel or the medical system, but our hope is in Christ Jesus. And I want to be thankful for that. I sometimes am a little rough on my edges, and I know that. And through through this, uh, what Adrian has said is I pray for humility in my life and peace in Audrey's life. Audrey has a tough time. She leans on the Lord through everything, but she still has doubts, and we pray that that this new year will be a, a, a year of peace and for for transition, for medical systems. So we lay, lay it all on the Lord's lap, and we pray for that. Thank you. Thank you, Mel. Well, I can certainly identify with uh, most of these testimonies here this morning. Uh, God provided me a truck one time. Same kind of scenario. Awesome. And Mel, don't worry about it. Uh, most of us are rough around the edges. <laughs> Uh, I just want to thank him again this morning for saving a wretch like me. And, uh, you know, there was a time in my life, and I think most of you heard my testimony already, but uh, I was hellbound and uh, pretty well convinced that uh, he wasn't real, that he didn't exist, and uh, I was going to go my own way. Anyway, he has a way of changing things, and uh, he's awesome. Uh, what's he doing t in today's world? Um, I think in the last year he's given me a, a, a new um, desire and a passion to, as uh, scripture tells us, to study to show ourselves approved under God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And uh, you talked about fear earlier. Well, Paul struggled with fear. And I was just reading the Corinthians where he said he, when he was talking to the Corinthian church that I came to you in weakness and much fear and trembling. And my words weren't, uh, you know, they were pretty feeble, but in demonstration of the Spirit of God. And um, I, I think if once we get to that point in life where we make a conscious choice to do what Scripture says, to study and learn and grow, uh, you'll become more capable of how, of, of how to demonstrate him to those around us at home and at work and in our uh, our social times. You know, we're living in a sick world, and in today's world, I, I see it as a world that is growing increasingly more difficult for us to stay true and, and uh, stay on the right path because there's so many voices out there. And even the church today is, is being infiltrated and going in directions that really they shouldn't be. But um, isn't it awesome that we serve a God that never changes? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
and uh, I'm really excited about what he's doing in my life and in the lives of those around me. Amen. Praise him. Amen. Nobody has any idea the trouble this last year that I've gone through with the, the, the treaty. Yesterday she spent seven hours in the hospital again, and we uh, they couldn't find out what's causing it, but there's a lot of stress stress for me. I lost about 25 pounds of weight. Nobody has any idea the stress that I have to put up. And sometimes we get together for a coffee and they even get the cold shoulders from people from our church. And that you have no idea how that bothers me. Drives me crazy. We're supposed to love one another and supposed to take care of one another. I don't know how to put it, but I love Jesus. I love him with my whole heart, soul, and mind. But sometimes it becomes very tough, very tough with Trudy. And it's, you know, some of you have every operation that you can think of except the ones the guys get. But otherwise, he's had them. And it's no wonder she gets better. So keep us in our prayer, in your prayer, rather. Because I'm having a real, real tough time lately. I've asked the Lord many times to take me home many times because I can't handle it anymore. Lord God, help me. I'll make this quick. Uh, if you remember, a couple of months ago, I asked uh, for prayer for my son. He fell 25 feet of a roof, and he shouldn't have been alive. But he broke seven ribs and uh, damaged his shoulder seriously. And I'm sure some of you, or many of you, prayed for him. And uh, so did the Baptist Church, where they were members of in Surrey. And today, he is f back at work full-time, and he can work pain-free. And I believe in answer prayers. That's good. I'll wrap the mic with Kleenex. We're going on holidays in, on the third, and so I don't want to catch anything. Um, I just I want to thank the Lord for what He has done in in my life, and and uh, I want to thank the Lord for how He has kept Gerald in uh, this long wait for this hip replacement. And uh, he's going to have surgery on uh, February the 13th. So it's, it's coming up, and we're thankful for that. But I just, Gerald and I have been praying for our neighbors uh, for years. And this past year, um, God has laid it upon uh, my heart to share with um, one of our neighbor ladies that was uh, in the hospital, and she was, she was dying. And uh, so I was able to share with her. And then uh, another neighbor friend of ours, uh, Bob, was in the hospital. And um, at first, we didn't realize he was in the hospital. And when we heard that it was his heart, I just started praying, Lord, please don't let him die until Gerald and I can go and, and share with him. And uh, so Gerald and I went and, um, to his hospital room. And we started the conversation like this. Bob, because Jesus loves you and because we love you, we need to share with you. And so we were able to share uh, about God's salvation with him. And, uh, and so I just thank the Lord for, for those opportunities. And we will continue to pray for, for our neighbors. And it's like a little mission field, I guess you could say. Uh, but uh, I'm thankful that, you know, God prompts us. And I'm thankful to be obedient to him. And that we love the Lord uh, very much. And we just pray that he'll be with us throughout this next year. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, it's important to share with people... Uh, especially on their deathbeds, but none of us know when anyone's time is coming. 
So rather than waiting, it's important to do it as soon as we can. Uh, my brother had a stroke in October. We put him on the prayer list. He was in Vancouver for four weeks waiting to get surgery on his arteries and his neck. They were both plugged. And uh, now he's in the Kamloops Hospital on a recovery. He's doing quite well. His left side's responding good. And his right side, he can lift his right foot up five inches off the floor now. So he's doing good, and I'm really thankful, and I'm very thankful for the prayers that you give us. Thank you. Amen. I haven't looked up in the balcony yet. You have to put your hand up high if you want to share. No? Um, I had one of the pleasures of this this, uh, Christmas to be able to uh, go again and ring the bells for Sally Ann. And I was truly blessed because this year was different from last year. There are more people wanting to share their testimonies of how God had touched their lives through Sally Ann. And I was truly blessed because these people didn't have much, but God supplied all of their needs. And through prayer, um, I'm hoping that these people will truly come to know the Lord. Uh, I just want to say um, also that I know that some of you are praying for Jan, and uh, she's. we're just waiting to hear back now from the uh, doctors in Kelowna as to when they're going to start some radiation and chemo uh, treatments to try and shrink the tumor before they do the surgery. But uh, again, I just want to thank you for your prayers. And uh, it's been a year now since we found out, and uh, the cancer has progressed very little, uh, even though it's one of the least progressive kinds of cancer. But uh, I think the fact that it's, uh, you know, it hasn't progressed very little uh, at all, if anything, is uh, kind of amazing. So uh, I, I certainly covered your prayers and uh, thank you for them. Good morning. I'm not a, I'm not a rah-rah type of guy, but uh, I'm not a speaker, as most of you know. But uh, I, I do like to speak for my Lord. Uh, he, uh, most of my life, I've, I've been pretty much go, 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 go. I, don't like to sit down and and uh, contemplate too much. I just like to get it done. Uh, but the last year has sort of done a little bit on me. Uh, I'm learning to be quiet and listen to the Lord. Uh, and that has been a, a real sort of a lesson for me. Uh, I could always figure out what I wanted to do and get it done and that was that uh, I, I don't have to do those things but I do need to trust my Lord and it's amazing how when we're quiet and stand by and listen what we hear and who, how God speaks to us and if we could do anything better this year if we don't do that, if we're not quiet and listen to God, I would I would employ each one of you to take the time each day just for a little bit to listen to what God wants you to do. It it's quite often what you're going to do, but it it has a way of making it more productive. You, you don't have to be running and hurrying and scurrying all the time. 
you just have to take the time to listen and do what God would like you to do. I thank him for his blessings. Amen. That's a good reminder. I ran away from home twice when I was a little boy. And uh, this one Sunday, my father, who was the pastor of the church, he announced he was going to preach on the boy who ran away from home. Well, I tell you, that picked up my ears. I thought, oh, no, he's going to preach about me. But he didn't, of course. He preached about the prodigal son. And when I came to the end of that message, it hit my heart. I gave my heart to the Lord. And that was the beginning. And ever since then, I'm a follower. I'm still growing and still going in grace. And you know, it's a wonderful thing. I notice in the Bible that we're not referred to as adults of God. We're referred to as children. And so we're always learning. And that's a wonder of God's grace in our life. God bless you. Amen. I'd like to thank you for uh, for um, praying for a friend of ours. His name was Paul a few months ago. He's a Penticton boy. He's grown up and he's in uh, Poland now. He's married. But they discovered that he had a brain tumor, and it was right on the top of his head, and um, meant that he had to have treatment. He went through chemo and uh, radiation for over a year, had to quit work. And um, they were looking for a, a, a surgeon that could do the, this very serious, difficult um, surgery. And a doctor in, they're in Poland, and a doctor in France they uh, discovered, and the doctor came and, and saw him. He said, yes, he would do the surgery, but it would have to be in France. So that meant that they had to raise $45,000 Canadian. And through a lot of prayer and, of course, people knowing him, they went on this GoFundMe, um, whatever you call it. Anyways, they were able to raise the money, and they, his brother, who lives in the Czech Republic, took him, traveled with him, and they went, and he had a surgery the first part of December, and it was a success. And they said it was uh, non-malignant, but uh, it was very invasive, I guess. So now he's home back in, in Poland and recovering. But praise God, he's going to be well. And his, uh, he was on the prayer chain also. His mother, um, Ju Maureen Julian, is on the prayer chain, and she's had a lot of, uh, she lives in town here, she has a lot of difficulties, but at the moment she has a blockage in her pancreas, and we're taking her to uh, the Kelowna Hospital the 8th of this month, and they're going to remove it. They're not sure whether it is cancer, but uh, she's still on the prayer chain, and I encourage you, please pray for her. Pray for her mental state, too. She has problems. Thank you. Right as the worship team comes up, I'll let one more person, the last one, so the worship team can get ready for us. The best to the last. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking, um, I wasn't sure just what I was going to say today, but, um, but when Sherry was sharing, sharing about uh, her plan for Christmas Day to not go like she had planned, uh, I didn't have, uh, I'm glad I wasn't in her shoes at that moment. 
anyway, Ida said, let's go out for breakfast. But anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, plan, our plans don't always go as we want them. We, we have to recognize, as the scripture tells us, he has uh, given a plan for each of our lives. And his plan is to give us a hope and a future. And that's what his plan is for each one of us. When you ask me, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good, actually. <laughs> Without God in my life, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Uh, Floyd is doing, actually, pretty good. Um, we, we quit treatments. And um, since he's been off the treatments, he's actually done a lot better. Um, he has his days, of course. But um, one thing, if... Oh, Sherrod, <laughs> he has a hard time saying these things. But he has no pain. And so that in itself, this last time, this last uh, month, in one of my devotional readings, it said, well, not even a month ago, a few days ago it said, if um, uh, count all your blessings of this last year. Wow, I thought, my blessings of this last year, what are they really? I've got a husband with cancer. I lost my son. Um, okay, I know what my blessings are. I did not travel this journey alone. God was there every step of the way, every hour of the day. And the verse that he gave me, I quoted it at Neil's graveside. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I, I will... I just have to... I have to with this right yet. I will say to the Lord... He is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's the journey we're on, trusting God one day at a time. Oh, thank you so much, Eileen. Well, we may be done giving testimonies here this morning, but we're not done giving testimonies. So as you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit, share with those around you. Share with your family, with your friends, with your spouse, with your whoever's around you, if you feel prompted to share Jesus with somebody, how do you know how that may affect their eternity? And it may just be a simple story. It may be your whole life story of your testimony of why you follow Jesus, but be ready to share the hope that you have in Jesus.